Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. Americans worshiping government over God. Extremely rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis Friends, welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. Happy Thursday to you. We've got a lot of news this hour. Let me start as I have been doing for quite some time by taking a look at the situation in Israel. We are now at day 97. And as this debate continues regarding the future of Gaza, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said yesterday that Israel, quote, has no intention of permanently occupying Gaza. We made those comments after our own Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, made it clear that the Biden administration expects Gazan citizens to return soon and that a Palestinian state would provide the framework for Gaza's future governance. However, a Mossad official told CBN News that Palestinians cannot control the area if they, quote, educate their kids to hate and kill Jews or pay people who are involved in terror activity. Meanwhile, the IDF chief told commanders they have the skills to dismantle Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, as they are doing with Hamas if a wider war develops. Now, if you're interested in learning more about training children to hate and kill, CBN put out an absolutely fabulous documentary on kids who are literally in summer camps trained to hate Jews, a stark and dangerous reminder that hate has to be taught. I've put a link on my Facebook page, which is In the Market with Janet Parshall. Again, the Facebook page is In the Market with Janet Parshall. 
I commend that to you. And when you have the opportunity, check it and look at what's going on. It really breaks your heart. Not only is it a form of child abuse to hate your child, to teach your child to hate a people group specifically, but it's a reminder why the chant from the river to the sea starts when you're very young. Let me turn to CBN as well and ask for an update, this time from our friend Julie Stahl. On Wednesday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke on his view of Gaza after the war. Israel has no intention of permanently occupying Gaza or displacing its civilian population. Israel is fighting Hamas terrorists, not the Palestinian population. Our goal is to rid Gaza of Hamas terrorists and free our hostages. Once this is achieved, Gaza can be demilitarized and de-radicalized. At the Knesset on Wednesday, member Danny Danone hosted dozens of ambassadors to discuss the fate of Gaza after Hamas. First thing that we will tell them is that before we speak about the day after, we have to make sure that the Israeli hostages are back in Israel and that Hamas is eradicated. Then we can discuss the future of Gaza. The U.S. is proposing that the Palestinian Authority have a major role in governing the Gaza Strip. Knesset member and former deputy director of the Mossad, Ram Ben Barak, told CBN News the PA would have to reform before that can happen. The Palestinian Authority must be changed. You cannot, uh, you cannot take control on Gaza if uh, the, the kids educate to hate and to kill uh, Jewish. You cannot uh, control Gaza, and you're not controlled by the way the West Bank. If you, if you pay, pay money to people who are involved in a terror activity, and you cannot uh, take control if you are corrupt. With nearly 100,000 residents of northern Israel evacuated from their homes, Israeli leaders are warning if the war between Israel and Hezbollah cannot be resolved through diplomacy, they're prepared to use force. If Lebanon continues to serve as an active Iranian terrorist outpost, we will act in southern Lebanon as we act in northern Gaza. This is not a threat to Lebanon. It is a promise to our residents of the north. On the international legal front, South Africa began its argument Thursday that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza. One commentator said the trial is like accusing a Holocaust survivor of starting World War II. Given the crisis facing Israel on multiple fronts, tens of thousands gathered at the Western Wall on Wednesday to pray for the release of the hostages and for God's hand of mercy on Israel. Julie Stahl, CBN News, Jerusalem. Let me pick up on something that Julie just said, because it is unconscionable. If you missed it, we had a wonderful conversation with Ray Comfort yesterday, founder and CEO of Living Waters. I commend livingwaters.com to you, because that's where you can go to get a copy of his new book entitled Volatile. And in that book, he talks about the names of the nations that are found in the Bible that will come against Israel. That is a 100% record on prophecy fulfillment. And those prophecies about the nations that will come against Israel, likewise, will be fulfilled. Volatile is the name of the book. And let me give you an example of how the pieces are being moved on the world stage. So this is an unprecedented legal proceeding. It's at the International Court of Justice at The Hague. It's where Israel is being accused by South Africa, who has no unblemished record, by the way. I give you apartheid. But they are saying that Israel is perpetuating genocide against Palestinians in Gaza. There is an eight-member South African legal team. They have made allegations that there are widespread deaths. Now, remember, the numbers come from the Hamas leadership itself. 
I have given you multiple examples. I've drawn you to memory, M-E-M-R-I. I've sent out tweets of all the falsifications that are done with numbers specifically. Actors, soldiers, sometimes that play dead. The list goes on and on and on. This is a terrorist organization. Truth matters not. And so the South African leaguer team, and again, why this is coming from South Africa, one only knows, but they are saying that supplies are being restricted, that people are being done, that there's inflammatory comments. This is, again, the South African team and their allegations are coming by the senior Israeli government ministers, and that that means that Israel altogether is conducting a genocidal campaign. They have accused Israel of imposing conditions on Gaza, quote, calculated to bring about the physical destruction of the people and accused Israel of exterminating Palestinians. Pause. Go back to what you just heard with Benjamin Netanyahu. They are not interested in eradicating the Palestinian people. They will, however, dismantle Hamas. And there are two conditions going forward that Israel will not negotiate and must, for the safety of the Jewish state, be maintained. Number one, Hamas has to be dismantled because Hamas is being funded by Iran, because this is a proxy war with Iran, because Iran is getting involved in Hezbollah in the northern border of Israel, the southern border of Lebanon. That means that might not be as easy a goal as stated. Number two, the hostages must be returned. One wonders if the South African legal team in The Hague today is going to bring up the fact that there are still hostages who have been murdered, hostages who have been brutalized, hostages who have not been returned. Thank God for a Christian witness. Outside The Hague, there were over a thousand Christians carrying the Israeli flag who were supporting Israel and protesting against this move, this unprecedented legal move by South Africa. But again, if you're going through life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, nations will rise against Israel. Back after this. What do Christians really believe? What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. By the way, I referenced my Facebook page before where you can see this excellent report that CBN News has put together about the Hamas summer terror camps for kids uh, and why so much of the action that was perpetuated on October 7th is replicated by what these children are taught in these camps. And taught is the operative words. No one is born a hater. You have to be taught to hate. And that's the most egregious part of all of this. Well, I want you to know, and I want to thank B very much for her comment, posted on the Facebook page that uh, apparently the government of Canada has blocked my attachment because they have imposed, apparently, government regulation about news content, which cannot be viewed on Facebook. B responds and says, welcome to our communism. This is what Craig and I talk about every Friday, about how you are seeing government in collusion with big tech and how this is controlled, coerced speech. Welcome 
to the day that we have been placed for such a time as this. Amazing. I want to get right to our continued conversation about Israel and this unconscionable move at The Hague. But I want to talk with Tom Doyle, who has founded, along with his precious wife, Joanne, Uncharted Ministry. It really is about meeting and training pastors and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever doors are open in the Middle East. So they have wonderful relationships with people in Egypt and Iran and Iraq and Jordan and Syria and the Palestinian territories of Israel. In fact, my friend Tom has just come back from Israel, and I have not yet had a chance to get caught up with him. So, Tom, the warmest of welcomes, and that's where I want to start. You are a very in-tune follower of Christ, and I just want you to share with me your your gut sense of what you saw and what you heard when you were there. It'll be so much different than the evening news, so share your thoughts. Oh, my goodness, Janet. Uh, what an opportunity to go into Israel and to go down to Kifar Aza, right, the kibbutz, mm. right on the uh, next to the Gaza Strip fence there, and talk with the people that survived that day and what they went through. Of course, it was horrific. We've seen the pictures. We've heard how bad it was. But these are people that were friends with the the Gazans, that they did co-op farming together. They did projects together. They they were peaceniks. They, they thought that things could be worked out. And, of course, they were horrified during the attack and all of the relationships that they had uh, gathered over the years with, with Gazans were set up for this moment mm. to just betray them and to kill them. So it was horrific. But you know what I think, Janet, on that day, October 7th, this is a 9-11 day. This is a November 22nd, 1963 day in our generation when Kennedy was killed. This is a day where everything changed. Israel seemed to get about two hours of sympathy. Mm. And then after that, on that very day, as hostages are being paraded through Gaza, we are hearing... Uh, And we have just lost Tom. So let me just continue. I'll backfill some information about Israel until my team gives me the okay that we've got team back on our uh, Tom back on the line again. So remember with Uncharted, he has the opportunity to go into the Middle East on a regular basis, for which I'm very, very grateful. But he really wanted to go because he wanted to sense for himself what was going on. He also wanted to bring in some humanitarian aid. But I want you to understand what he just said. So this kibbutz that's in the southern part of Israel, it's by the Gaza border, These were people who worked with regular Palestinians on a regular basis. And the sense of betrayal that this attack took place, this is what a terrorist organization does. It also underscores, remember, this isn't against the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people are under the heavy boot of a terrorist organization. And I think that's extremely problematic. So let me do this. Let me take a break so we can get Tom back. Again, there's nothing more powerful than having an eyewitness report. Tom also believes that there is now, since October 7th, a both new Israel and a new Middle East. And I'll have him plead his case on that. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall again. Don't forget to check out that CBN report on these summer camps that train children to be killers and haters. I've got a link again on my Facebook page. The address for Facebook is In the Market with Janet Parshall. There's a link clicking on. You can go right through and you can get the report. Extremely important. We bring you these reports not just because it's in the news, but particularly as followers of Christ who have been told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem that we need to understand exactly what's going on. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. Tom Doyle is our guest, founder of Uncharted Ministries, and we'll continue our conversation with him right after this.
Tom Doyle is with us. He is the co-founder of Uncharted Ministries, and he's just returned back from Israel. And I want to go right back to where we were. Tom, you were talking about visiting a kibbutz that was uh, close to the Gazan border, and the sense of betrayal there was unbelievable. You've made the observation that October 7th changed everything. In what way? Well, you know, even just the church in the Middle East, Janet, right now, do you know in Syria, if someone's heard in public using the word Israel, they're arrested. Oh, boy. Immediately arrested. In Jordan, Christmas celebrations at churches were canceled. Uh, All of this is happening in the Muslim world surrounding Israel. There's just a clampdown. And first they come for the Jews, then they come for the Christians. They've been persecuted 4,000 years. We've been persecuted 2,000 years. And the same people persecuting the Jews are persecuting Christians. So what Israel's going through is sadly what's next for the church. And so um, big changes in the Middle East, but yet there is hope. And we have never seen so many Orthodox Jews wanting to talk to evangelical Christians about things like prophecy. Is this Gog and Magog? Is this Armageddon? What's happening here? We, we have never seen that, Janet. It, it was a privilege to be in Israel and to stand with Israel and tell them we love them and that Jesus' followers are supposed to be their best friends. And we want to model that and show that we support Israel. And you can do that and still love Palestinians. Yeah, and that is one of those issues that as a follower of Christ, we understand so clearly and completely, but for someone who doesn't yet know him, they really think it's an either or proposition. Yes. Because you talk about this being the new Israel and the new Middle East, you just talked about those chilling things that had become standard operating procedures, Christmas uh, ceremonies that you could have before talking about Israel and not being afraid of being arrested. Mm -hmm. But is is your perspective that you could call this the new Jerusalem and the new Middle East because you are the eternal optimist, your uh, glass isn't half full, it is always overflowing. That's why it's a joy to be in your company on a regular basis. But is part of this new moniker that you're using because there is a receptivity to the gospel now like there hasn't been before? Oh my gosh, yes. Janet, we had a chance to address a battalion in uh, the Bethel area, IDF Mm. soldiers, and we just told them, we presented some gifts, and we told them, look, you've been persecuted for years, We're, we're persecuted as Jesus followers, and the same people that persecute you persecute us, so we need to stick together. We want to be your best friends, and they cheered for that. This Mm. was 99% Orthodox Jews that were clapping and listening, and we were sharing Scripture. We were going to Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We know those verses, but then when it goes on, it sounds like it was written last week for Israel. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. As we were sharing these scriptures and they even let us pray, the Orthodox Jews who serve in the IDF were cheering. Mm. They were cheering. And we, it was a thorough Jesus message. Jesus called us to love you. And could this be the time that Israel starts turning and it ends up, like Zechariah talks about, where they finally look upon him whom they pierced and mourn for him as an only son, where they get it, where the light bulb comes on and they realize it was Jesus. He is the Messiah. 
that's what we pray because Israel's in a desperate state and they're looking for answers. And so we know, and you know, Janet, that Jesus is the ultimate peace plan in the Mm -hmm. Middle East. The UN isn't going to pull it off. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's go to one of those international bodies and let's talk about what's happening today at The Hague. This is stunning. First of all, for South Africa to bring this forward is ludicrous on its face, given their history with apartheid. But again, they're calling this genocide. Now, in the Mm -hmm. law, words have profound meaning. They're chosen Mm -hmm. specifically as a part of a brief. They're specifically put in statutory language. So you are not flagrant with language in the law, at least if you're going to be a good legal practitioner. So to say that this is genocide There has to be a preponderance of evidence that, in fact, what Israel is doing is genocidal in its nature. I played Mm -hmm. a clip before you joined us um, that was part of a CBN News report in which Benjamin Netanyahu was quoted where he says declaratively, and he could say it a million times, that because there's a spiritual blindness and deafness here, people are choosing not to hear. But he said we're not going after the Palestinian people, but it is imperative we dismantle Hamas. Now, that mm-hmm. means you, ha- you cannot use a sledgehammer. You have to use a scalpel. But no, how, no matter how carefully IDF goes in to cut out this tumor of Hamas, which has to be rated, or there will never be the ability to live peacefully with your neighbors, he's going to be criticized. There's multiple aspects in what I just said. Let me just peel this a little bit. First of all, your thoughts about South Africa taking Israel before the international court. I mean, this is just ridiculous when you think about it. Look at their history. Does anybody just say, uh, you don't get a chance to speak into this issue, considering your history? Nobody says that. Everybody's afraid. Everybody is afraid of being branded now and stamped. Well, this is genocide. And you know what? I think as believers, we we can't be afraid of being branded. I want to say to the pastors, speak up for Israel. Just Amen. because you love Israel doesn't mean that you hate the Palestinians. We love the Palestinians. We want the best for them. And that's a Hamas-free Gaza. That's something that Israel and the Palestinians can agree on. So it's not genocide. We talk to people on the inside. They're reading us the notes that Israel's dropping out of helicopters, telling them to move because they're going to have to bomb an area because of terrorism. Right. So it, it's not genocide. They do with whatever they can to protect them way more than their governing body, Hamas, who doesn't care about them. And we have friends that are MBBs in Israel, just try, in Gaza, just trying to get to one of the trucks that has food and humanitarian aid in, and they're shot at by Hamas. So Not by Israel, is, by Hamas. By Hamas. So it's just a joke. It's demonic. Uh, it's, it's not even believable, but yet... The world soaks it in because Satan is trying to go after Israel and the church with everything he has to destroy them and us so it flies. It just flies because he controls the press. I'm so glad you said that, Tom, because we're going to say it and say it and say it again until this is resolved, and that might be uh, not until Jesus comes. But this is a spiritual war. There may be Mm -hmm. rockets flying. There may be tanks. But this is, at its core, a spiritual issue. And we cannot forget that. At The Hague today, I noted earlier that there were over a 1,000 Christians who were supporting Israel, carrying Israeli flags outside uh, of the court in The Hague. And I think that was wonderful. But it was also imperative for us as followers of Christ to say, How interesting. It was believers who were outside the Hague talking about why Israel has to be supported. But let me go back to your time with the IDF. 
they're, that's such an interesting group of people to be with um, because there's mandatory service and all the reservists have been called up as well. Three years mandatorily for men, two years for women. And they're young. You're always impressed with how young these people are. But the world is small because of the interconnectedness of our communication platforms. Did you get any response on why there was this marked presence of anti-Semitism in the United States? Oh, they wanted to know about it. The soldiers yes. said, they, they said, what's going on in the United States? And we said, listen, our kids didn't go to those schools. And if they did, we'd rip up their diplomas because that's just, e that's so evil what they're talking about and charging Israel with. It's just wrong. It's, it's demonic. And you know what? Everybody needs a friend, Janet. And as we spoke to them and said, Americans love you. Forget what you're hearing on the media from some of the nutty university presidents. We, we don't believe that. And Joanne got up and was so overwhelmed looking at over 100 soldiers. She just said, I, I don't know what to say other than I want to give every one of you a hug. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Janet? They lined up for their hug. They did. <laughs> oh, wow. What a moment that must have been. Tom, thank you so much. I want you to come back again soon because I think we really do need your insight and your discernment. And by the way, your, your overflowing joy on the fact that in the midst of this darkness, in this situation that is really before our eyes, we're seeing the stage being set for the fulfillment of prophecy, that this is likewise an open door for the gospel like never before. There, my friend, is something to add to your prayer list. Blessings to you, Tom. Thank you for being with me. Back after this. As a Christian, how do you digest the cultural issues of our day? At In the Market, we believe that understanding happens when we bring biblical truth to expose the darkness in our world. That's what we do every day on In the Market. May I ask you to join us? When you become a partial partner, your monthly gift ensures this daily program continues. Become a partial partner today by calling 877-JANET58 or go to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Well, that music reminds us we're going to get an update on the persecuted church from our dear friend Todd Nettleton, who's director of media development for The Voice of the Martyrs. He works with people just like me all over the country, all over the globe, actually, to tell the stories of the persecuted church. And for that, we are most grateful. So he, like Tom Doyle before him, uh, has the power of being an eyewitness. He's also written about this, by the way. He put it together in a book called When Faith is Forbidden. And its subtitle is 40 Days in the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. It's an absolutely fabulous read. And if you love these updates, you're going to love traveling along with Todd in the book, When Faith is Forbidden. So get out your prayer list because I guarantee you we are going to lengthen it. So our State Department has something where every year they take a look at what they call countries of particular concern. And this really has to do with religious freedom. And it looks at countries where there is none, where there are some particular challenges. And it's an always an interesting list. Coming out from the State Department, I always take it with a pound of salt, not a grain of salt. But then we have something called the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. So this report from the State Department came out last week, but the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has some concerns about this list of countries of particular concern. Todd, on that note, I welcome you and I ask you to fill me in on the blanks. Why is the commission concerned about the State Department's report? Well, thank you very much. It is great to be with you. And uh 
it's an interesting situation. And in fact, I, I believe we're in the 25th year now since the International Religious Freedom Act passed. Mm -hmm. And so every year for the last 25, the State Department has issued this list of countries of particular concern. Uh, I've been working at VOM all those 25 years. I have never yet seen the U.S. Commission immediately turn around and say, wait a minute, we need to have congressional hearings. Why is Nigeria not on this list? Why is India not on this list? So um, it, it, I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes. You, you may have heard this is an election year, and I don't know if <laughs> perhaps it has something to do with getting more time on television for that or what, but it is interesting as Voice of the Martyrs, as people who pay attention to what is happening, especially to persecuted Christians, that India would be left off the list because India is a place where we have seen dramatic increase in persecution under the leadership of Prime Minister Modi. It's interesting to us that Nigeria would be left off the list. Uh, Nigeria, more and more persecution. In fact, just over Christmas, there were multiple attacks, more than 100 Christians killed. So as we look at this from the outside, it's kind of like, I wonder what's going on behind closed doors that the U.S. Commission would say, you definitely need to include India. And then the State Department says, no, we're not going to include India. Uh, and then the U.S. Commission says, wait a minute, we need to have hearings. I, I, like I say, I, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I haven't seen that response in the last 25 years. And the fact that the commission was immediate in its response. And by the way, they want congressional hearings on this. They're not just squawking. They want some action on this. So let me just offer, I don't know the answer either, but I'm going to use the brain that God gave me. Remember, President Biden met with the Prime Minister of India mm, toward the end of the year. You wonder when they had closed door meetings, not the photo op, when they click, 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 and they take all the pictures, whether or not there were conversations about trade. And trade is about money, and money doesn't talk, money screams. And so when you look at India uh, as a trade partner, do they not want to rile anybody up by putting them on a list of countries of particular concern? Um, number two, because apparently the religion of climate change has perpetuated this administration, India is a great polluter. And so has India been told that it has to come in alignment with their footprints, et cetera, what other language they use in their theology? And in fact, if you put them on a list of countries of particular concern, you will not respond. That's my theory on India. On Nigeria, this is a country where... Um, I, I'm stymied. I mean, the, the butchering. You talk about genocide. I, I, the South Africa is not using the right word at The Hague today, but we can call it genocide against Christians in Nigeria, where the government itself has been silent. Here, the only thing I can guess is, as part of China's rust and belt inroads into Africa, is there a reason there where somehow you're going to confront the CCP so you don't want to put them on a country? There's always a story behind the story behind the story that makes a John Grisham novel pale in comparison. Those are my two cents. <laughs> Well, there is. And, you know, I think in relation to Nigeria, they, they now have different categories. So they also have entities of particular concern. And one of the entities they identify as Boko Haram. So I think the State Department would say, look, we are talking about Nigeria because we've identified Boko Haram as an entity of particular concern. But when you look at the Nigerian government that has failed repeatedly and failed mm -hmm. and kept failing to protect religious freedom, to protect Christians who are being attacked, it's like, why not shine a light on the government as well as Boko Haram? They're, they're exactly. part of the problem as well. 100%. And may I point out for the record, Your Honor, that it only happened that Boko Haram was deemed to be an entity of particular concern. They're a terrorist organization after the caterwauling from Capitol Hill. They would not identify them as such for 
years. The other question would be, why did it take so long for Boko Haram to be put on that list? I don't know. They're there now. I hope they stay there. But you're trying to split the atom here. You're saying that Boko Haram is an entity, but we're not going to identify Nigeria. The question I would say government to government is Nigeria what are you doing to stop the genocide of Christians in that country? So I'm going to be find it very interesting. By the way, down the road a piece, you're going to see groups like Open Doors who are going to list their watch list as well. I'm going to be curious to see where Nigeria and India fall on their list this year. I always compare those lists to see how much similarity and how dissimilar they're going to be. Talk to me about Afghanistan as an entity of particular concern, because therein resides the Taliban. Yeah, this this is another one that's like I'm scratching my head because they do identify the Taliban as an entity of particular concern when it comes to religious freedom violations. But the Taliban is the government of Afghanistan. They're running the country. So how can you not then also identify Afghanistan as a country of particular concern? But they didn't do that. It was left off the list of countries of particular concern. So it's it's again one of those like, and I'm sure they would say, look, we, we are shining a light on the problem. We, we've identified the Taliban. But again, they are the government. They're in charge. They're running the country. They're running all the government agencies. So if they're an entity of particular concern and they control the government, then it seems like the government would be of uh -huh. particular concern as well. So here's another thing. And I appreciate our opportunity to be able to dig down a little bit on this. If they're playing this game by identifying entities, Hamas is an entity in Gaza. Now, are they going to come against Gaza because Hamas is the government in Gaza, just like you were talking about Afghanistan and the Taliban? Or is this the game that if you can factor out an entity as opposed to a government, issues like trade, etc., are left untouched and maybe the animus being on a list of countries of particular concern isn't quite so significant? It is one of those things. And I and I know and I'm I'm thankful I don't work at the State Department, so I don't have to try to balance out all the different priorities. And, hey, you know, if we offend them over here, then they won't help us over here. And we got to factor in what everyone else is going to do. So I'm, I'm glad I don't have to wrestle with all of those challenges. But even just I mean, you look at the list and you're like, wait a minute. The Taliban is a problem and they're the government. So isn't the government a problem? Then it, it just seems like the logic of it is it's kind of hard to figure out sometimes. It is. And it's not public policy. Mostly it's politics. And there's a distinction between the two. You know, um, I have to tell you that um, the game playing, it, it is very much like a game of 4D chess at the State Department. I can tell you that from experience. And to see why they use the kind of language that they do is amazing. But the core principle in all of this is just that principle. Either you're slaughtering people because of their religious views or you're not. There's not a lot of ambiguity in this, is there, Todd? It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> like like there is religious freedom or there's not religious freedom. It, it doesn't, it's, it's sort of a black and white issue. Yes. And, you know, as you say, I, and I, I hope, and I hope we pray for Christian people working in the State Department, yes. working in this arena, because it is such a challenge to try to play that 4D chess and, and you know, move your pieces into place and, and move people along. But I hope, and you mentioned, you know, Prime Minister Modi was here and we were told that, yes, we did talk about religious freedom, but that was behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in public, we did a lot of handshaking and smiling. I hope that is true in Afghanistan. I hope that's true in Nigeria as well, that when there are those meetings, when there are those conversations, there are people in the State Department who are saying, listen, we are watching this. We expect you to improve. And 
you know, your religious minorities. And in some case, I mean, you think of India, they are also persecuting Muslims. Uh, your religious minorities deserve the right to practice their faith. Um, so I hope those conversations do happen behind closed doors. And, and like I say, I hope we will pray for Christians in the State Department, in the government, who are having those conversations to really have wisdom and discernment of, of how to have an influence. You know, you're echoing Paul's directive to Timothy. This is why we pray for those in authority. But let's go back to what you said before and give me a specific case in Nigeria, particularly in Plateau State. What happened? Christmas Eve attacks against mostly Christian villages in Plateau State. Now, Plateau State is in what we call the middle belt of Nigeria. So it's kind of right on the fault line between the mostly Muslim North and the mostly Christian and animist South. So it's right in that sort of combat zone. Here's the thing. This happened on Christmas Eve. That was not an accident. That was a statement. We are coming for Christians. We are coming on one of your holy days, and we want to make a statement about how you don't belong here. You don't have a place here. Multiple villages, coordinated attacks, people with machetes coming in. The latest death toll that I have seen is 140. 140 mm. people killed in these attacks, more than 300 injured, and others displaced and some still missing. We, we don't know if they're dead or alive or captured. Uh, so this is just one more example of what our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are facing, unfortunately, on a regular basis. Yes. So Voice of the Martyrs understands the power of prayer when it comes to the persecuted church, and they have put out a global prayer guide. And when we come back, I want to tell you how you can get a free 2024 VOM Global Prayer Guide. These are fabulous. If you simply don't know how to pray or who to pray for, this guide that VOM puts out every year really and truly is marvelous. Stick it into your Bible. And when you're in the Word, when you're having your private time with Him, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to pray. We'll tell you how you can get it right after this. I often share with you that Voice of the Martyrs puts out a free monthly newsletter that is, in my opinion anyway, spectacular. And the reason it's so beneficial is there's just something about looking at a photograph of a brother or a sister who's persevered in the face of adversity. It's one thing for Todd and I to talk about it. It's a whole other thing to be able to see their face. It's also a catalyst for prayer. That's why these stories are in this monthly newsletter. And so I've encouraged you to sign up and get it at persecution.com. It is free. It is sent every month, persecution.com. Again, it will help you pray for the persecuted church pastors from the pulpit. It would mean so much if you were to identify the persecuted church and encourage us to pray locally for the global church as well. Small group leaders, this is a great part to fold into your small group conversations as well. But I want to point out also that VOM puts out an annual global prayer guide, how to pray specifically for different parts of the world. It's fabulous. By the way, VOM has just got a wonderful reputation for fabulous supportive materials. And they're making it available to you, my friends. And all you have to do is go to vom.org slash guide vom.org slash guide, and then simply put in your name and address, and you're going to get a free copy of the 2024 VOM Global Prayer Guide. So persecution.com is how you get the monthly newsletter, vom.org slash guide, and simply put in your name and address, and you'll get a copy of the Global Prayer Guide as well. Todd, did I do that all correctly? Anything you need to correct? You did a great job. The, uh, the prayer guide lists out 
the 70 plus countries where Christians are persecuted so that you can pray specifically, hey, who are the persecutors in North Korea or in yeah. Iran or in Nigeria? How hard is it to get a Bible? What do Christians face in that nation? We want to equip people to go beyond God bless persecuted Christians. That That's a great prayer, and I hope everyone is praying it. But we want you to be able to go beyond that and really pray knowledgeably for specific needs in specific countries. Mm, that's a wonderful idea, and I thank you for making that available to everyone. VOM dot org slash guide now you talked about north korea so let me linger there just a little bit because north korea is one of those countries that tends to show up on these lists regularly uh, talk to me about this because i'm watching i'm anticipating that it'll be in the countries that will be listed in the watch list that will come out toward the end of the month but also I don't think you can look at the hermit kingdom and think that somehow, especially when, what was it, Christmas Day or New Year's Day, I forget, Kim Jong-un basically said that he gave instruction to annihilate the United States, his word, not mine, if any aggression was ever meted out against North Korea. So talk to me about what you're doing in North Korea and what we can do to support that. Well, you mentioned our magazine, our monthly magazine. In January, it focuses specifically on North Korea, and there are some amazing stories of North Koreans who have come to faith in Christ. Now, typically that happens after they leave North Korea because it is so hard to get the gospel inside the country. One of the stories we tell was of a man, he, in his mandatory military service, so every man is required to serve 10 years in the North oh, Korean military, 10. his job was to guard the Kim family yacht. And I'm just thinking, if you're starving to death and you're guarding the Kim family yacht, you're going to have a lot of thoughts going on about, I wonder if this system really works. I wonder what's going on here. He actually saved some Kim portraits from a fire. There was a fire in his barracks. He ran into the fire to save the pictures of the Kims that were on the wall. He was badly burned. He ended up having multiple surgeries, was eight months in the hospital, and all the thanks he got was a little certificate, and they actually sent him a bill for the certificate. And at that point, he's like, you know what? I don't believe in this government. I don't believe in this country. He fled, came to South Korea, where he met Jesus Christ and is now following him. That's just one of the stories in the magazine. Voice of the Martyrs is committed to getting the gospel into North Korea, even though it is difficult one of my very favorite projects that we have at VOM is a radio broadcast into North Korea, and the the entirety of the broadcast is someone reading the Bible very slowly and deliberately so that people inside North Korea can write down what they're oh. hearing. They are unlikely wow. to ever see or get a printed Bible. And so this radio broadcast is simply, like I say, someone reading the Bible slowly with the idea that people are going to write down what they hear. And so that's one of the projects that we do in order to get God's Word into the hermit kingdom. Wow. Let me go back to this idea of writing it down. Why do I think that in North Korea, if you were ever found to even have the notation of the writing it down, that that could put your life at risk. So I, I want people to understand that it's an act of faith to even, as they're listening to the broadcast, be writing down what they're hearing over the airways because that puts their life even more at risk than it is already in North Korea. It absolutely does. We have talked to North Korean Christians who did have a Bible inside the country miraculously. They literally would bury it in a hole in the ground. They oh. would go in the middle of the night and dig it up and open it up and read it by candlelight under a blanket where nobody could see the light and then bury it again so that 
that nobody would find it in their house. Uh, that's how dangerous it is to have Christian materials, to have the Bible inside North Korea. Unbelievable. Wow. Let me go back to India for a minute, because I love it when people understand what's going on, because it makes for specific prayers. So in India, they're going to be having some national elections, both in April and in May. And we talked about Prime Minister Modi before. He's looking for a third term. Now, remember, our Constitution says, sorry, you can't be president for more than two terms. That's now in our Constitution and they're restricted. When somebody starts getting a third term, uh, you know, you start wondering whether you're opening the door for a dictatorship. And under Modi, persecution had increased dramatically against Christians. And as you said before, and other religious minorities. If you're a Muslim, it's been miserable since Modi's taken office. Why are the elections spread out over two months? Did I lose you, Todd? Oh, my dear friend, I think I've lost him. Well, we'll see if we can get him back. If not, let me just take what's left of this hour, and I've got one minute left, and give you those addresses again. And I I know Todd would say thank you and sorry if he could, so I'll do that on his behalf. But I want you to know this persecution.com website is a wonderful place for you to get their monthly newsletter. And I think the fact that they're focusing in on the January issue on North Korea is extremely important. By the way, they're getting the gospel in any way they can. Balloons, you talked about the broadcast. They're also getting it in by way of boats. I mean, it that uh, makes fiction pale in comparison to the reality of getting the good news into that dark country. And you'll learn more about that when you get the monthly magazine, persecution.com. But particularly, this guide is spectacular. So I want to give you the address again. It's yours free. Just go to vom.org, the slash mark, and then the word guide, vom.org slash guide. And there's a place for you to put in your name and your address. And then you'll simply get the free 2024 VOM Global Prayer Guide. It'll help you direct your prayers specifically as you go through this guide. Well, I hope we've lengthened your prayer list. There's certainly a lot to be praying about. God is on the throne, but we have an opportunity to approach it. Thanks for being with us, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.